Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Can we do that? Just bless the Lord. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. What an awesome honor I have today to introduce to you my father. And uh, I want to tell you why he's here today. Our church is a result of my parents leading me to the Lord. This is a testimony. This church right here is the testimony of what praying parents can do. I was a high school dropout. I was on drugs. But my mother led me to the Lord. My dad laid hands on me and got me delivered at the couch and filled with the Holy Ghost. So I got saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost all in my house because of my parents. I have always known my dad to be the most outstanding man of integrity I've ever known. I've never met a person to ever accuse him of a lie. I've never met a person to call him stingy, deceitful. I've watched my dad uh, drive the bus for his church to pick up young people in the inner city. I watched my dad do children's camps for the kids. I watched my dad become the drummer for the church when they didn't have a drummer. I watched my dad become the youth pastor when they didn't have a youth pastor. I remember when my mother and father opened up the home for small groups and I was a teenager and I had to take all of the children up with me and play Nintendo in the bedroom. I remember my dad showing me what it was like to give, not only his life, but also his finances. From the first time that I received money, I always remembered my dad saying that there's a portion that goes back to God. I'll never forget that he taught me how to humble myself before God and to see that the work of these hands is a gift that God has given us. At this part of the church, th these chairs are filling up. Before you know it, you're going to have to wait in line to get in the door, so you're going to have to come early. Oh, you all get scared when I talk like that, huh? But I'm telling you, it's going to get full, and it's, even more, it's more full than now it's ever been. And I want you to listen to me. We are a church that uses tithes and offerings to support this ministry. And if you know anything about me, you know that I'm very shy when it comes to people's personal finances. I don't want to talk about it. The offering like you heard today is how I do the offering. It's how I've done it for three and a half years. You can ask the people that have been here. It's very short, sweet, to the point, because we expect people that they're going to understand to give. But there are some times when people have questions about it. First of all, there's people that say, well, I don't understand it. I have more questions. And we wrote about it in our discipleship book, but some of you haven't got to that point in the book. We want to talk to you about that today. We want to tell you, uh, my father, because, number one, I want him to tell you, because he doesn't benefit anything from this. He goes home, he drives three hours back to Fort Wayne, Indiana. My dad has never received a salary from Metro Praise, nor any church that he's ever worked for. He does financial planning, and he's never received any money from the church. It's all been volunteer. Number one, I want you to see that we give not so that one person becomes rich, not so that, you know, these people you see on TV abuse it. No, so that we can do things in the church. And I want you to see that today in my dad's life who benefits nothing from this. And number two, he's also an elder in our church. That means your pastor is accountable. I don't just show up with the money. Ooh, I got money. Mama, come on, let's go get some new clothes. I'm accountable. There's three men that keep me accountable. You've met all three of them. They've all preached on this pulpit. One is Brother Anthony, my spiritual father. He's walked me through ministry the last 13 years. No one knows me in ministry better than him. No one. The only person that knows me better than that is my father. And then second is my father. My real father is on the board. Then there's Roy Bowes, the 
the teen challenge director from Chicago now who works in Michigan. So you put together 30-plus years of experience, Brother Anthony, 30-plus years, and with Roy, 30-plus years. There's over 100 years worth of wealth and experience that sits on our board and keeps me accountable. They, they, they see the budget. They ask me what's going on. And so I want you to understand today that when you give your tithe, that God is keeping this house accountable. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. And so today I wanted to come now for the third reason, because there's a blessing. The bottom line is there's a blessing. I could tell you story after story in my life and the people's lives I've known. I don't know how much of my dad's story he's going to tell you, but I'll just tell a part of it that I remember. The most part that I remember growing up is when my dad tried to start a business, a convenience store, and for five years he lost tens of thousands of dollars. The business didn't work. But I never saw my dad stop tithing one time. I never saw him blame God. I never saw him turn his back on God. He stuck with it. If not, maybe gave more. He can talk about that. And I want to let you know, I've slept in, in places that I wouldn't even take off my shoes and socks because I didn't even feel comfortable. I lived in the inner city of New Orleans for three and a half years. I lived in the ghetto. I brought in over 30 homeless people. I remember the first time I brought a homeless person into my house, I put the kitchen knife under my bed. I've, I've seen God send me groceries to feed me and the people there. I met a man on a plane one time. I was doing work in the inner city. Some of you don't know my full ministry experience. I was in New Orleans for seven and a half years, three and a half of that years. I was living in the inner city. I needed money to help with the inner city children that we helped in the projects. My dad's a witness to that. He remembers walking to those projects. We had fun eating gumbo and all of that. We needed money. I met a man on a plane, never met him a day in my life. Met him on the plane. He gave over $15,000 to our ministry. God has always taken care of his people. This is an opportunity for us to covenant. This is an opportunity for us to see that when we do the, the biblical thing, as my dad teaches today, I'm going to learn. This is the man who taught me. We're going to be blessed. We may go through hard times. We may go through times that we don't think it's, it's ever going to change. Because, you know, if money didn't mean anything, we wouldn't work 40 hours a week trying to get it. But my dad's going to teach you, your blessing's not in your paycheck. Your blessing's not in the economy. And what a better time to hear this message. It's not in the economy. Your blessing is from a God who never changes. And he's got your back and he's got my back. Amen. So can we just welcome my father and elder of the church by standing. And let's just thank him and honor the God in him. Amen. God bless you, Dad. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, saints. My God. I came in last night or in the afternoon. I thought I was going to rest a little bit. There's no resting at Metro Praise, I'll tell you. They forget I'm 62 years old. So they start taking me out to the street ministry with the street team. Would the street team come on up? Whoever, who's ever here, stand up. Just stand up. Come on, just stand up. If you went out last night, I'm telling you, what a blessing that was to me. Thank you. Praise God. My goodness, was that exciting. Really was exciting. I spent more time on the north side of Chicago in these last few years than I did in the first 24 years that I lived in the city. I lived on the south side. I never really knew there was a north side. <laughs> Praise God. We're going to talk about tithing, but I want to mention a couple of things. Uh, if you have pencil and paper, I, I really would encourage you to, um, 
you know, take notes, write some things down, not because of what I say, not because uh, what I'm saying is so important, but it's because of what God is saying through me that I really believe that he wants you to get. See, there's some simple things. The Bible's easy. It really is. And, and, you know, Pastor Joe was talking about the blessing, how God blesses the church and everything, but I'm telling you the truth, and we'll get to it, but everything that happens to the church, everything, you know, as, as the ships are in the dock, if you ever go down by Navy Pier or by Lakeshore Drive over there, if you see the ships, the boats and sailboats, whatever they are, when, when the water comes in, all the ships rise, okay? So when the floodgates of heaven are open to the church because there's, it's doing what God wants done, every ship in that church rises which means every person rises, their, their economics rise, their spiritual life rises, emotional, financial, physical, everything takes place in a positive vein. That's, that's how God operates. That's how God operates. Now, I want to let you know something. You write down whenever you want, but I'm going to tell you the truth. A person with an experience is never at the defense of a person with an argument. Let me repeat that. A person with an experience is never at the defense of a person who has an argument. I'm going to elaborate on that a little later in my, in my uh, discussion here. I still have three hours, don't I, Joe? Okay, praise God. Uh, no, I'm going to elaborate on that a little bit, okay? It was interesting when I was listening to the um, leaders' meeting. This is something you really need to write down. I'm going to tell you, you need to write this down. I wrote it down. Uh, and the reason I, I want you to meditate on this when you go home. Decisions are made with the mind. Okay? A decision that you make is made with the mind. A commitment is made with the heart. That's profound. I want you to think about that because when you start doing things in your life, in your personal life, whatever it is, you're going to be deciding to do a lot of things. You're going to make a lot of decisions. You know, you can decide, uh, where's that? You can decide to lose weight. But unless you're committed to lose weight, more than likely what's going to happen is you're going to go back. You know, you can, you can decide to stop drinking or, or using drugs or alcohol or whatever it is. But if you're not committed to that, you're going to relapse. You can decide to get married. But if you don't commit to that marriage, there's going to be trouble. I'm telling you, you could commit, uh, you, could, you can decide to have children. But if you don't commit to raise those children in a godly manner, in the fear of the Lord, there's going to be trouble anyway, okay? So commitment is a key. Decision is made with the mind. Commitment is made with the heart. We're going to be talking about tithing, and sometimes people decide to tithe. They make that decision with the mind to tithe, but they don't commit 
with the heart, understanding what that decision really is. And then what happens with the tithe is as they go a week or two weeks or three weeks or whatever it is, and nothing, God's not doing anything, and they give it up. They say this tithing doesn't work. Okay? Um, I'm one of these people, a person with experience. Okay? So no one can argue with it. I've heard all the arguments. I don't discuss it anymore with people. I really don't even debate it anymore. I really don't. I've, had, I've heard everything that could possibly be said about why uh, you don't have to tithe. Matter of fact, there was a person in our church who actually did a research paper. She spent hours on researching why you don't have to tithe. And she gave it to the pastor. And uh, he wanted to know if I wanted to read it. I said, no, I don't want to read it. I said, and I, that person just would have spent as much time researching why it's biblical to tithe, there could have been a lot more results there. But I, I really don't argue it anymore because um, I've just seen too many things happen with the tithe, which we're going to get into. But I'm going to back it up with Scripture. Is that okay? Because when I start talking about what does decision-making have to do with commitment and all this other stuff, what does that have to do with the tithe? I have to tell you this. has everything. Everything to do with it. Everything. Because sometimes a person can get caught up in the emotion of giving. You can go to places and you can get tied up. There's a, there, sometimes there's a, uh, motivational stuff going on at churches and there's a lot of hoopla going on. And people get tied up and they get caught up in that emotion. And that emotion causes them to make a decision. And that decision sometimes is to give. But there's not really a commitment to the heart. You see... Uh, when you commit with the heart, it's you all, everything. There isn't anything that's going to stop you no matter what, no matter what, in your whole life. And, and you begin to think about this and when you start making decisions in your life. Because you, you don't have to just relate this to the tithe. It relates to life, period. When you're faced with a decision, always ask yourself, is this a decision I am going to commit to. Because if you're not going to commit to it, you may just be wasting time. Follow me? Every decision, financial decision, when you're going to buy a car, when you're going to buy a house, when you're going to go to school, people say decide they're going to go to school. And they make that decision. But they don't commit to it. Something comes up, bad grades, gets tough, got to study, got to do this, da, 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 you know the story. And so that decision becomes null and void because they weren't committed to it. But if you commit to it, you're going to complete it, okay? Amen. Amen. I'm going to take it slow. Is that okay if I go slow? That's the way I do it. Okay, I'm not in a hurry. I don't have to be any place but Fort Wayne tomorrow. Fort Wayne is a city that no one comes to intentionally. Okay? But here's the thing. In Proverbs... Solomon, who was the wisest man, and we can prove it in the Word, Solomon, who was the wisest man, says, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. Then he goes on to say, he says, wisdom is the principal thing. But then after that, he says, in all you're getting, get understanding. You see, what happens with people when it comes to the tithe or when it comes to offering, 
they may hear a lot of different messages and they may hear a lot of words and everything else, but what they're getting is knowledge. They're getting knowledge. But knowledge without um, understanding is just information. It's just information. It's nothing more than information. That's why Solomon says you have to get the knowledge coupled with, and all you're getting, get understanding of that knowledge. Because then once you get understanding of that knowledge, now you can apply wisdom. You can't apply wisdom without understanding. And, and that happens in life. That happens in life. People go around and, and they get a lot of information. And right now this is the information age. It's so easy to get information. But the understanding is not there. And hence what happens is people make decisions based on the knowledge that they get without understanding, and they don't make commitment, and they end up being frustrated, discouraged, angry, and everything else that goes along with it. Okay? So one of the things I urge you to do in everything also is get understanding, just like Solomon. It's important to get understanding. Then you can make a decision. Then when you make that decision, then you can commit to it or not commit to it. You follow me? And that's what happens with, with, uh, with the Word of God. Now, we're going to uh, work the Word. You know, if you work the Word, the Word will work. Say that five times without an error, and you've got a bottle of water. If you work the Word, the Word will work. Okay? One of my favorite scriptures... We're going to spend time probably just in two books. Because, like I said, I'm not here to really uh, be a Bible scholar, to be a theologian. I'm really not here to do that. All the questions that you have, where is this in the New Testament, where is that in the Old Testament, talk to your pastor. I yield to the pastor. Okay? I love to do that. It takes all the responsibility off of me completely. Okay? <laughs> but we're going to use the word. But one of the... Th one, one of the most precious scripture to me is Malachi 3, verse 6. Who has the Bible? Who has the Bible? Raise your Bible up. Say, this is my Bible. I believe it. I believe it's the Word of God. I believe it's true. I will study the Word to know God. I will study the Word to know myself. I will study the Word to know my enemies. I will become a student of the word. Amen. But anyway, in Malachi verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 6, it says this. It says, I am the Lord. I do not change. Now, Lord is God. Now, let me explain so you understand where I'm coming from. I want you to understand me, okay? You have to get this understanding. I have to make this very clear. God, my God that I serve, is a God that existed all by himself. And he had this idea he wanted to fellowship with people. And so what my God had to do, he had to, first of all, create nothing. Okay? Because it was just God. All it was at one time was just God. But he had 
to, he wanted fellowship. So in order to do this, he had, he had this vision. And so the first thing he had to do is create nothing. So now he creates nothing to create something. Okay? Now I want you to understand where I'm coming from. That's my God. He always was, always will be. He created nothing before he created something. That's God. So when people tell me about tithing, that God doesn't need my money, I have to tell them, do you think I'm stupid? You think I don't know that God does not need my money? He created nothing to create something. What is my money got to do with God? See, God doesn't need my money. What God wants is my relationship with him. And I'm going to get to why money is so important in this economy. Could be cows, could be dogs, could be whatever it was at any given time. But there's things that we place an identity on. We place identity in money. Some people, their whole identity is based on the money that they have. Their whole security is based on the money that they have. So you've got identity and security is all based on money. And God knows that. God knows exactly how hard it is for us to work to earn money. He knows that. And so what God is looking for is a people that is going to say, I give this to you. Okay? See, God was the one who instituted the tithe. You go back in the Old Testament. He instituted the tithe. It wasn't Pastor Joe. People like to believe that. You'll hear rumors probably out there that he started this thing called a tithe. No, I've had pastors that honestly, when I worked on the, can I tell you this little story? I worked on a bus ministry at a church, a large church. This is the pastor that taught me how to die, uh, to tithe. He's died since. But um, we would pick up kids on the bus to bring to Sunday school. Sometimes we pick up as many as 600 kids on a Sunday morning. We'd have, I forgot how many buses we had. And what we would have to do, I was a, a captain of the bus, and so every Saturday we'd go visiting to the projects or neighborhoods or apartment complex, knocks on doors, and would, could I pick up your child? And I don't be here, we'll be here at 8 o'clock, whatever it was. We actually had, I had a person come to me and say, listen, I'm not putting my children on that bus. And I said, why? He says, I know your pastor has a blanket insurance policy on anybody that rides that bus. So if they die, he gets X amount of dollars. That's where the thinking is, okay? But anyway, the tide was instituted. I'm telling you. Okay. Now, in Malachi, we're going to hold you there for a minute. He says, I'm God. I don't change. To me, not being really a Bible scholar or a theologian, I'm going to explain to you what I think that means. God doesn't change. That's what I figure that means. Anybody disagree? You know, you don't have to go to seminary to figure that one out. God is exactly the same, never changes. Amen? Glory to God. Now, turn with me to Psalms 105, verse 8. While you're turning there, I am going to blow my nose.
I'm, I'm, I'm using uh, New King James also. So just in case, uh, let's see what this one says, 105 verse 8. That's good. This is good. This, is, this says exactly what I like to say anyway, what the word says. Okay, verse 8. He, who do you think he is? God. He remembers his covenant forever, the word he commanded for a thousand generations. Come on now. God doesn't change. He remembers his word, his covenant, forever. Again, I don't have a doctorate in Bible. Forever to me means forever. Okay? Easy? It's easy. So I'm just reading this as a south side of Polish person from Chicago. He never changes, and he remembers his covenant forever. Okay, now, does forever stop when the new covenant comes into agreement, when, when the New Testament? Is that still part of forever when Jesus comes on the scene? That's still part of forever, right? When Moses, that's still part of forever. All this, the whole, this whole book is part of forever. Matter of fact, in Acts 30, if you go to Acts 30, go to Acts 30. <laughs> Oh, see, Pastor knows that. We're living in Acts 30, okay? We are this. Okay, this is Acts 30. And, and the reason I could tell you that is because the Bible says, the Bible says until, uh, until, the, uh, until the perfect one comes, all these things are in place. So the perfect one has not come yet, so we're, we're operating about Acts 30 right now. So we're still part of this forever, okay? Are we in agreement so far? Amen. Good. Good. I love the word. Now, in Malachi, what's happened in Malachi, uh, that's the last time that God spoke to his people until John the Baptist came on the scene. So there was a 400-year span from when Malachi, when, when God spoke through the prophet Malachi, until John the Baptist came on the scene and Jesus came on the scene, 400 years. And in my book, the New King James Bible, the commentary says this. It says, So sinful the nation became that God's words to the people no longer had any impact. When we were on the street yesterday, there was a lot of people that the word really wasn't having any impact. And a lot of times, even in churches, God's Word doesn't have any impact. You go to church upon church upon church, and uh, they may have the form of godliness, but there's no power there because they really don't believe this, and it's getting watered down, and, and really there's just no impact to the Word, which means people don't understand the Word. They may know the Word, but they don't understand what's really in there for them, for them. Uh, we can. You don't have to go here. I will read it. Keep it. Keep this in mind. Everything that I'm saying is building up. I'm trying to build a foundation. So let's see if we can remember. God never changes. His covenant He remembers forever. 
Okay? Now, in Genesis, in the very first book of the Bible, verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 22, it says this. It says, while the earth remains, is the earth still in existence right now? Are we living on earth right now? Okay, praise God. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, shall not cease. Seed time and harvest shall not cease. When you take a tomato seed and plant it in the ground, you will get tomatoes. When you plant uh, peppers, whatever, whatever, you will get that. That's seed time. If you wait long enough, you can't plant the seed and pick the tomato tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. Joe tried it when he was a kid. A seed is anything. So it's the liking. So whatever you plant, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. See, the world has got a hold of this. And when you look at spiritual laws, they are in place just like natural laws. No matter who you are, whether you're a Christian, non-believer, whatever, the law of gravity exists. You throw something up, something's going to come down. That's a natural law. There are certain spiritual laws that got put in place, and they're going to be there until the earth is gone. So the spiritual law of seed time and harvest is there, whether you're a believer in Jesus or whether you're not a believer in Jesus. Whether you believe in God or not, God placed this law into, into effect. It's there. Whatever you plant will sow. I can give you illustration upon illustration of people who have no uh, um, relationship with God at all. Matter of fact, they, they, they mock God and hate God. But they practice this thing of seed time and harvest, and they're multi-billionaires. Bill Gates could care less about God. But he gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he gets, and he gets, and he gets. Because he plants, and he gets. Seed time, harvest. Seed time, harvest. Seed time, harvest. That's what he does. Warren Buffett, seed time, harvest. Seed time, harvest. Doesn't know the Lord at all. Doesn't care about God. Any of them. Why is that important as we're talking about this stuff called tithing and offering? Everything. Okay, so I'm going to refresh again. God never changes. He remembers his covenant. Seed time and harvest won't cease until this earth is gone. So as long as this earth is here, we got seed time and harvest. Now go with me to Malachi. You know, there's so much in this word. I asked the Lord, God, I said, give me a word that will really bless the people. I am so, I am so um, excited about Metro Praise and each and every one of you, what God is doing in your lives and what he's going to do. You know, what God is going to do through Metro Praise in the city of Chicago through all of you. And when he does that, I want you to understand that there's a blessing for you in that. There is a blessing for you in that. And I, talk, I talked about this before. You see, God doesn't have any favorites. You can go to Galatians and everything. It shows where God doesn't really have any favorites. 
But in Psalm it says he doesn't have any favorites, but he does favor those who favor his cause. Now, I love to have God's favor. And there's, there's, you know, and if his favor, if you understand this, please get this, his favor, God's favor. When you do his righteous cause, the Bible says this, his favor surrounds you like a shield. My, you know, I'm ex- right there. His favor surrounds you like a shield, which means if you're doing what God wants done, if you get involved in what God wants done, he will get involved in everything you want done. Everything. Because he favors, and it surrounds you like a shield. You know, a shield nobody can get through. So when you have favor of God, it is so exciting because every place you walk, you have to know this. See, this is part of the word. This is part of knowing and then understanding. I know that I've got the favor of God. When I walk into a room, I know that the favor of God is on me. When I walk and talk to uh, presidents of companies or uh, uh, owners of businesses, I know that i got the favor of God on me. I know it. They can't say a word to me that could dispute anything that can harm me. I know i got the favor of God. So, to prove it, you can write this one down if you want. In Psalm 30, verse 5, it says, God's favor is for life. For a lifetime. Lifetime of favor. <laughs> Lifetime of favor. He never forgets his covenant. He never changes. Okay? You're getting God? You're getting the picture of my God here? Amen. This is the same God that you serve. It's the same God that wants you to have things that he has in store for you. Because what's it say also in Psalms? God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his children. He loves for his children to be prosperous. He wants his children to be prosperous. He really does. You know, you know, a lot of churches don't want to talk about prosperity in church because this prosperity message has gotten so diluted and so out of whack, it's crazy. But the word is clear that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his children. Hallelujah. You know, a covenant, by the way, is kind of like a contract. That's a covenant. And God's got all this, and you've seen it. But there's, there's some other parts of a contract. It always has two sides. And we all want the one side. We want the one-sided contract. You know? But there's two sides. There's our part. Our part is easy. God's part is, is great, but our part is easy. But anyway, let's go over here to, to Malachi. And I'm going to read just in chapter 1, verse 6. Because this is the reason why a lot of Christians, um, don't get the full blessing of God. I'm going to tell you why right here. Remember, this is this this is not new. This is not new stuff. This has happened, and it repeats itself. So God's word becomes null and void. There's no impact of God's word anymore to the people. But if you understand what the Word says, you start getting a direction, okay? But here's why some Christians, I'm talking about Christians now, are not experiencing what God has for them. I'll just read a part of this. And it says in verse 6 in chapter 1, it says this, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, 
where is my honor? And if I am a master, who's, who's saying this? First of all, God is talking. God's talking. See, he's, he's, God is so hurt here in this part. He's hurt because he's saying this. He says, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts. He says, it's to the priest who despised my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? And he goes on to say, he says, you offered me defiled food. If you were to give the go, and it goes on. I, let me just read it. Let me just read it. Can I just read a little bit? Yeah, because it's good. He says, you offer defiled food on my altar. But say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the Lord of, uh, by the, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer a blind a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer that then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? You see, when they were giving offerings, what they would be doing, what, what they were supposed to do, according to the law, they were supposed to get their best calf, their very best. But what people figure they can do is they can chinch this a little bit. We'll give him the calf that can't see or the calf that has a little bit of disease or whatever. That's what we're going to offer. We're going to give him... Anything but the best. And God was aggravated. He was hurt, but he was also mad. And it goes, goes on to, to say that. Um, but now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands. Will he accept, accept you favorably? Probably not. Amen. I'm going, to go, I'm going to fast forward here, okay? Just for the sake of time, you can read that yourself and meditate on these, okay? Well, let's go over here back to verse uh, chapter 3, verse 6, and I'm going to continue where I started. And it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances. See, someplace along the line here, this bit about tithing and offering has got distorted, has got messed up, has gotten so uh, uh, manipulate, uh, manipulated that people, it, it's just nothing in line in, in, as far as what God has in store anyway. It just isn't. So he says, um, you've gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said... In what way shall we return? Now, I had to do some thinking on this myself. There's a person that uh, taught me to tithe, was a pastor, and it was 34 years ago. You know, 34 years ago, 1974, I began to tithe. And I've never missed a, a tithe. Never. I mean, I tithe on everything. You give me, it's tithe. Whatever you give me, $5, I'm giving them. I'll probably give them three out of it. Okay? I tithe on everything. Birthday gifts, everything. Because I understand something here. Um, it all belongs to him, see? It all belongs to him. So I had to do some studying. I said, well, 
what way have have we missed it? Or did they miss it there? Okay? What God was talking about. How did they miss it? Why, why was God so upset? So I went back and I did a little studying myself. And I went back to the book of Deuteronomy. If you flip back there with me. See, this is what they used to do. This is what they used to do. Deuteronomy 26. And it shall be, chapter, uh, verse 1, And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Right now we're in that land, believe it. And you possess it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, and you shall bring it to the Lord. Give it to the priest. Put it in a basket. Give it to the priest. Let me fast forward just a little bit more. Go back over here to the same chapter. Here's what the people could say to God when they did this. In, in uh, uh, chapter 26, verse 10, now they can say, And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which, O Lord, you have given me. Okay? So they brought the first fruits, brought it to the Lord, and now they can say that they did it. Slip, slip down over here to verse 13. Then you shall say before the Lord, I have removed the holy tithe from my house. I've removed it. For very first thing. I've taken the tithe out of everything I had, the first fruits. Removed it from my house and also have given them to the Levite, which is the priest, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments which you have said and commanded me. I have not transgressed it. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I've not eaten any of it. I didn't take a little bit before I took, gave it to you. I didn't take a little bit first to take my share. I give it all to you. I didn't eat it. Didn't, didn't waste it on anything. I didn't go buy a lottery ticket with it. I didn't do any of that stuff. Gave it all to you. I didn't waste any of it. That's basically what it's saying in the 13th. I have not eaten any of it. Nor have I removed any of it for any unclean use, nor given any of it away to the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done accordingly to all that you have commanded me. Now, God, look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless me. Bless me. You have given us just as you swore to our fathers. Okay, so now when we take that tithe, here's where the church is missing it, and don't, you, you don't understand. If you're walking with the Lord and you take that tithe, you can now go to the Lord 
and say something similar to this. Okay? How can I prove it? Go back to Malachi. Because Malachi then keeps going over here because that's where he was telling the people that that's where you're robbing God, was from the tithe. But then God says, bring, and this is chapter 3 again, verse 10, he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you so much that you can't hold, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land. He's talked to us. So now what that means, any of you read Deuteronomy, go back and read Deuteronomy 28, it talks about the blessing, but it also says if you follow carefully all my commandments, which he just in chapter 26 said, bring the first fruits. That's part of, that's part of the deal. So this is where God was upset with them, right? Now, When I learned tithing about uh, 34 years ago, now I want to get back to what, what does this all mean to you, okay? What does it mean to the body of Christ? What does it mean to God's children? Because I did not, I started tithing 34 years ago. But there were times when things were not just going right. It's probably with you, you give offerings and tithe and everything else and things don't go right. And it was because I didn't really understand the word. I didn't understand that if I really am following God with his son Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, that I have some rights. I really do. He, he lets me know through there. There are some rights that I have and some permission, some tickets kind of to get in. Like we were going with those people looking for a ticket to get into that place, okay? You know, these, there was a line of people who looked. The street witnessing a line going into some club, and they needed a ticket to get in. But anyway, we got tickets. We got the right if we follow God and we obey all his commands. So if we tithe, we have the right. We can go to God. And I didn't know this. But when I learned it, it changed my whole economics. And I didn't do it uh, because I, I wanted to get rich or do all that other stuff. I did it because that's what God wants us to do. He wants to bless us. He wants to pour his blessing out to us. He wants to do that, okay? So I didn't care whether it's the times of trials, troubles, or tribulation. You can go to God, and you have the right to say, Father, I am a tither. I've given you the first fruits of what I have. I've given you this. I haven't stolen any of it. You told me if I give this to you that you will bless me. Your word promises it. Your word promises it, that you will bless me if I do this. And I've done it. But honestly, God, I don't see the manifestation of it. Now, I was praying this sincerely. I don't see the manifestation of it. I know what over and above is, and I don't have it. I know what an overflowing is, and I don't have it. But you said I can't have it. Now, God, your word says back there that you don't forget your covenant. 
Didn't it? He says he doesn't forget his covenant. God, this is something you said, and I believe it. I believe it. Now, God, I'm expecting you. You can talk to God like that. Joe talks to me that way as his father. He, when I say something, he says, I expect. You said you're going to do this, and he expects me. He, you know, he holds me to my word, don't you? And if a son can do that, a child, a, you know, a, a natural son, what do you think God is? He's our spiritual father. If a father gives a son or daughter his word, that child can hold him accountable to it. Say, Dad, you said you were taking me to the beach. Okay, let's go. Right? You guys know that? Daddy said you're going to take me to the store. Father, you said if I do this, you were going to bless me. You would bless me. That I couldn't hold on to it. You said that. You also said in your word that if I give, and I've been given, God, I've been given a lot. You said in your word, if I give, that you'll give back to me. Press down, shaking together, and running over. That's what you said, God. I didn't make this up. You said you never forget your covenant. He was waiting for me to say that. He was waiting for me to say that. He's waiting for you to say that. Why? Because that, that, uh, that produces your faith. It produces your faith, and it puts action to your faith. You've got to know what you're praying and what you're talking about. So whenever, and see, and see, the other thing that I see in churches when I see Christians, when I see them giving the offering, and when you give in the offering, you cannot give in an offering unless you tithe it. You're just, you're just taking God's money putting in the offering. If you didn't tithe and you say, well, I'm, I'm putting money in the offering, well, first you have to tithe. You have to stay in order. You have to give that back to God. And, and really, in the New Testament, you know, the Old Testament only wants us to give 10%. The New Testament, really, if you look at it, it's 100%. Everything belongs to God. Everything you have belongs to God. Everything. There's a one thing that you have that you're so something that you've got to buy yourself. Everything. Now, if you understand that everything I have, and I understood this, everything I have came from God. But I said, God, I'm a giver. I give. And you said, if I give, and I know you were talking to people, you know, use all the, they were talking about forgiveness there, but giving is giving to God. He, it's, he likens it to whatever you give, he'll give it back to you. So if you give money, he's going to give that back. If you give hot dogs, he'll give you more hot dogs. Whatever you want to give, he'll do it. <laughs> Okay? He does it. That's the way he is. But I said, God, I'm a giver. And your word says that if I give, you'll give back to me. Press down, shaking together, and running over. And God, quite frankly, I don't see that either. And then I would go on to explain to God, because I can't understand God, but I can only explain to him what I think he meant. And I would relate to people that I knew that had more than enough or whatever it is. I said, now, see, God, what I, what I relate to more than enough is that. Now, I don't know if that's what you mean, but that's what I related to. So I don't know. But all I know is I don't feel that I have more than enough. I don't feel like the heavens are open up and things are pouring down. I don't feel that. Well, when I began to approach God 
with that faith, and again, standing on the Word, not on me, on the Word. You always pray according to the Word. And here is what happens, what I also see in the churches with Christians. When they give an offering or when they give their tithe, they'll take the money out of their pocket, they'll fold it up, throw it in the basket, they'll put the, the, the envelope in the basket. They don't understand that that is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. So what I challenge you, begin when you give your offering or when you give your tithe. Say, Lord, take your time. Don't, you don't have to do this offering in, in a minute. This is a part of worship. This is a big part of worship. This is everything that you worked all week for. This is, this is you. That's why we place our identity. That's why God knows how hard it is for us to earn money, how we sweat and toil to do that, and he knows that if we give it because that's our identity and that's what we're trusting in and everything else, when we release that money to him, it shows that we're trusting in him to be the source, not that money. When we release that, him, that money to him, we, we release it to him that we're saying, you're my identity. My identity is in you. My identity isn't in this money. My identity is not in this. My source, my provision is not in this. My provision and my source is in you, God. So, Father, here's my tithe. This is what I worked for all week. And you make it a prayer. Father, this is what I worked for all week. This is my tithe. I haven't stolen anything from it. I'm giving it to you. I haven't cheated you. Now, according to your word, you said that if I do this, this is what happened. will happen. Father, I expect you to do that. And I thank you in advance for doing that. When you give an offering... Place that offering in the, in the basket reverently. If you remember, we read that in there when, when uh, the very first chapter when God is talking, you don't even have any reverence for me. You're giving me the, be- the lack, the, the, the least that you have. There's no reverence in giving. They're probably throwing these donkeys to them and, and uh, calves. When you give an offering, I don't care if it's a dollar or 50 cents. Father, this is an offering. This is what I give to you. I, I'm giving it to you. Use it for whatever you want to use it. It's for your kingdom. Use it for whatever you want to use it. But, Father, your word says that if I give, you'll give back to me. Press down, shaken together, and running over. And I, and I expect that, God, and I thank you for that. Now, remember something. When you're doing this, the law of seed time and harvest comes into play. Don't expect to put this in like pulling a lever on a slot machine and a thousand coins coming out. It's seed time and harvest. Follow me? Put it in. I'm planting seed. Every time I'm planting seed, I'm planting seed, I'm planting seed. And every place I plant seed, there's going to be fruit growing from it. Fruit growing. It's going to come. It's going to come. Father, I think it's coming. I'm waiting for the harvest. Glory to God. I'm waiting for the harvest. And just like Robin and Ish, all of a sudden that harvest came. I don't know when it came. It just came. Well, people say, well, Ish and Robin, it just came. Well, that's what I said. It just came. It's what God does. He just does it like that. It just comes. You can't figure God out when that. But it's the law of seed time and harvest comes into play when we do that. Oh, it's difficult. You know why it's difficult? Because people have their identity and their sources in, 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 in the money. And we grew up in this world. 
we didn't, we, you know, we didn't just all of a sudden get all this teaching to us. We grew up in the world. We've been hearing so many different things. Our mind has to be changed. That's why Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to think differently. You have to think in terms of kingdom principles, not worldly principles. When you begin thinking kingdom principles, everything changes. You look at things different. I'm telling you, you look at things different. So you have to have the changing of your mind. Oh, God. It's a privilege. It really is a privilege and, and an opportunity when you can give and ask God to give back to you. And, and knowing that he wants to do that. Now, I can use my son as an example. If I tell my son something that I'm going to do, he reminds me that I told him that. So I have to do that. When I give him something, because he shows something back to me, he likes it, okay? I like it more. God, you think God doesn't have enough to give to everybody here? I mean, it isn't a strain, you know, that he says, you know, he, does, you know, he talks to Gabriel. He says, oh, geez, you know, i got six of them now claiming his word, and i got to provide somehow here. You know, i got to hold them to my word. It, that isn't an issue with God. He loves to give back to you. He's the giver. He's the one that taught us how to give. Amen? Oh, glory to God. So does it always have to do with money? When you tithe and when you're planting that seed and when you're waiting for the seed time and harvest? And people used to, you know, uh, I, I know friends that are still friends of mine. They broke away from a church, started another church because they didn't want the doctrine of tithing in there. So... <laughs> So they start their own church, and they don't have in their statement of beliefs tithing. Okay? Now, most of the churches that if you follow will, will agree that if you want to be a leader in the church, you have to tithe. Most churches will do that. But I look at them, and then I say, okay, then they got a group of people here that don't have that in their doctrine, and I watch their lives. And I'm watching their lives. And I'm not judging. I'm just watching their lives because they figure they don't have to tithe. Or they have, don't have to give. They give whatever they want to God. And there's a lot of disaster. So when people want to make the argument to me about tithing, I could remember when I had my accounting and tax practice, and I was tithing at this time. So I can show you. I'll give you story upon story upon story upon story. I had a staff of about ten people working for me. It was a Monday. And I had went to the office. I was in the process process of negotiating a loan for some equipment and I had basically had no money in my checkbook. I'm talking about no money. And I got 10 employees that want to get paid Friday. At least they think they're getting paid Friday. <laughs> That's their thought, okay? So I go in my prayer closet. I, clo I close the, my office door and I use the same principle. And I said, God, you know I don't have any money in my checkbook. I got payroll Friday. And I don't see anything in store. My accounts receivables were all in everything. I could easily go on to the bank, but I didn't want to go to the bank and tell them I didn't have any money to pay payroll because then they wouldn't loan me any money to get the equipment. So I had to be kind of wise there. So I went to the one that had the answers. 
I don't go talking to the banker. I went to God. I said, God, you know, I don't have any money in my checkbook. And I, I, I have payroll. And I'm a tither. Well, lo and behold, that Wednesday, I get a call from a referral that wanted me to go see this client to do the books. So I, ha I went to the client to the books, but I had to get uh, a retainer in advance. That's the way I work. And the retainer I got was twice as much as what my payroll was for Friday. Now that, and people say, well, that just happened. And that's what I said, that just happened. It just happened that way, you know. Uh, you know, there were times when I had to call my wife. You met her, Lorraine. I would say, honey, exactly, exactly how much is it that you need this week? Because we don't have it in, in, the, in right now. So I just need to know how I have to maneuver these books. And, again, God will honor that. He will honor, and he blessed it, he, of course, provided Lorraine will tell you the time that she had $100. That's all she had to her name. All she had to her name. And her name is my name, so that means we had $100 to our name. Okay? <laughs> and she had this $100, and she was going to go to the bank. And it, she didn't have the, it had $100 in the bank. She was going to write a check to get it out. And one of the people at church wanted her to help them, okay? So this is where it's more than money, okay? So she did whatever was necessary to help that person in the church instead of going to the bank to cash that $100 out because she was faithful in that regard, doing what God wanted her to do. She never did go to the bank, and we never went to the bank since. You follow what I'm saying? When, when your car doesn't break down. When we were in the situation of, of, of tithing, we never had a situation where our car broke down, where our house needed extra repairs, where people were getting sick all around us. Our children never got there. We're getting sick in that respect where we had to go to the hospital. That's all part of God honoring the tithe. It's all part of it. It isn't just an accident. Those are things that God does because you're faithful. Amen? So right now, what I want to do is this. I'm going to offer you a challenge, okay? I'm not, going to, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I'm going to offer you a challenge, two people, two types of people in this room. If you already tithe, and if you haven't been doing this, what I'm going to ask you to do as you prepare your tithe in the future to really offer it in a reverent way, to understand what you're doing. Now, why does God want us to give this to the church? Because, see, the church is the only thing that is his arm extended. He cannot do the things that need to be done without the church. The church has to do that. Now, it costs money to do things. So as the money comes in, that's how things are done, okay? And I'm telling you, as you do this, God will bless you, and you could hold him to your word. Why? Because as you do that, he knows now that he can trust you. So if he could trust you with that, he'll give you a little bit more. And if you do it again, he gives you a little bit more. Because he knows he can trust you. He knows where it's going to go. I tell this story all the time. I was with my client, came into the office. He sold his business for $5 million. Okay? $5 million. I was his financial advisor. 
And as we're working up the plan, I had my business partner, Todd, in there and everything, we're working up the plan, and we're talking about how we're going to invest, how we're going to move this money, how we're going to protect it from it and everything else. His wife leans over to him. They discuss. And they said, Jim, don't forget that you have to take the tithe into consideration here. <sighs> right? So 10% of $5 million is $500,000. Okay? Now, I'm telling you, people tell me, well, if I win the lottery, I'll give this and give that. I'm going to tell you something. I knew this person. He was a tither. As long as he had the business, as long as he was a businessman, he was a tither. So he would give $10, $20, whatever it was, based on whatever he earned. And, and as his business grew, he broke bigger checks, bigger checks, bigger checks. Do you know him writing that check for $500,000 or the way they distributed their tithe was like writing a check for a dollar a me? You mean you, it was just a normal thing. This is what I got to do. Don't invest the money. The tithe comes out first. Okay? Now, you think God didn't know that he could trust that man? Do you think that God didn't know that he gave him $5 million for his business because he knew that he could trust that man to write a check for uh, $500,000? Some people have a hard time. If you have a hard time, if a person has a hard time writing a tie check, for, for $100 if you make 1000 how in the world are you going to write a check for $500,000? You'd die. You'd have a heart attack right on the spot. I told you how to write that check. You know what? God works with us gradually. He teaches and he learns and you understand how that works. So if, you, if you're a tither, go after those words. Go read Deuteronomy 26. Claim that when you're giving your tithe. Pray about it before you give it. Don't rush the offering. Come up there prayerfully, reverently. Give it. Expect God to honor that, and he will. If you're not a tither, I urge you to begin to do what God says in Malachi, and that is to test him. I have my business partner. I first met him 10 years ago. Um, I'm going to say I don't want to brag about myself, but i got to say this so you get the message. Um, i got a good business. And this person's a, uh, a Christian also, so we were working. In, and he wanted to know how I was doing things, you know. And he was having financial trouble, um, not meeting the bills. You know, he's having trouble. And he wanted to know, he said, Jim, you know, you really are a well-respected person, and you really got a great business, and it looks like you're real, really doing good and everything. How do you do this? This was before he became my business partner, when we first met. I said, Todd, I said, let me ask you a question. Uh, do you tithe? And he said, no. I said, here's the thing. And I went through this whole deal kind of with him, with, with the scriptures. I said, Todd, I challenge you to do this. Take God at his word. Don't listen to me. Go to the word. Meditate on the word. Take him at his word. Test him. He says, test him. It's the only place in the Bible that God tells him to be, that you can test him. Only place. You don't play with God. You don't try to test him on anything else. I'm telling you, you'll be in trouble. But he says, test him. I'm going to take him at his word. Go to Take him at his word. So I told Todd, test him. Do that for 90 days. Do it for six months. Do it for whatever. Do you know that was 10 years ago Todd hasn't missed a tithe? He is so excited about he's excited. He's excited about tithing. When, when, when God blesses you, you'll be excited about giving because he adds to it. And as he adds to it, he knows that he can trust you. As you give, he knows that he can trust you. He knows that you, he's not a, you're not a hoarder. We've got a situation, we've got hoarders and selfish people that we know that, that are, you know, they, their whole God is their money. This is it. They hold on to that money. 
and that money is, is going to burn. And God, God doesn't honor that. But God sees with a heart, the pure heart, what you're doing. So I'm, I'm going to encourage you to start, if, if you're not tithing, to do that. And when you begin to do that, place your finger on the word and test the Lord. Say, God, I love you. See, I, I don't believe a person is going to go to hell because they don't tithe. I don't, I don't believe a person's unsaved because they don't tithe. I don't believe that. But in, in order to really get the full blessings of God, that's something that you really have to do because his word says it. So if you say, God, I'm testing you. I've not really done this tithe. I don't necessarily believe in it, but I'm testing you. You said for me to test. And stick with it. And understand the law of seed time and harvest. And understand that that word, according to, 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 to the word, also says that God will not forget his covenant. Right? He'll honor that and watch it happen. And what you're going to be seeing going on in here is you're going to be seeing testimony upon testimony about testimony about how God is honoring the tithe. Honoring the tithe. You don't do the tithe to get rich. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a lottery game. It's not a prosperity manipulation or anything. It's, it's what the Word of God says because He wants to get it to you. He wants to get it to you. He really does. He wants to get it to you. So, Here's what I would suggest you say if you're not a tithe when you're doing God, I believe your word. Now, listen, you have to be born again, okay? You have to really understand that you love God and he's your Lord and Savior and everything. That's, that's, a, you know, that's a kind of a gimme, right? But God, I believe your word. I know it's true. And I believe if I tithe, you will open the gates of heaven on me. I believe it. Because the Bible says when you pray and you believe, you've got to believe at the same time you're praying, even though you don't see the manifestation. See, we're, we're too quick to discount God. But the Word says if you pray and believe, you will get. You have not because you ask not. Okay? So you begin to ask God. Joe knows he could keep asking. He's got, it's ever since he, he takes it right to that pin. I'm going to ask him, I'm going to ask him, see if I can get this, okay? Well, with God, you just ask because it says you can have it, okay? Follow me? So those are my challenges. If you already tithe, from now on, when you bring the tithe, bring it reverently, prayerfully, talk to the Lord about that tithe, okay? If you don't tithe, Test the Lord, bring it reverently. When you give offerings, give it reverently. Amen? Amen. And that's the word according to this book. I want to turn this back over to Pastor Joe. But one thing I want to do before I do this, I like to pray for you. Sometimes you can get a blessing from the person that is speaking. So I'd like you all just to stand. And I want to pray a blessing upon you. Do you believe what I just spoke? Do you believe what the Word of God just said? Did you receive it? I mean, do you understand it? The understanding is the part. Do you understand it? Amen. So I want to pray a blessing upon each and every one of you, okay? Right now. Oh, God, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. The name that's above all names, God. 
the name that is above all names, I come to you right now, God. And, and I lift up every person in this place. I lift up every person in this place right now, God. Father, I did what you told me to do. I gave them your word. Father, you're responsible for your word. You said in the, in, in the book, God, that your word will not return void. You said that. So I did my part, God, the best that I could. I gave them your word. Now, Father, I don't know every situation in this room. I don't know every circumstance in this room. I don't know the financial condition of people in this room. I don't know the spiritual condition of everybody. I don't know what people need in this room, God, but you do. And these people in this room, God, love you. They love you, God. And they're standing on your word, Lord. They're standing on your word and believing that you will bring it through fruition. So right now, God, I'm asking and I'm expecting in Jesus' name that all those who tithe this morning, who brought the first fruits of their labor to you, to the storehouse, I pray, God, right now that you pour out a blessing upon them, a blessing, God, seen and unseen, that they will not be able to hold. Right now, God, I pray and I expect that to happen, God, because that's the word you said. And God, for those people who really don't understand that thing about tithing, God, I pray that the word that went forth begins to burn in their heart and that they begin to test you and test your word according to that. And I pray prosperity on them. Father, I lift up again every person and I pray a special blessing upon them upon about prosperity right now, God. I ask, Lord, that you give them success in every endeavor that they tackle. I don't care what it is, God. I pray bountifully that they will have good health, that they're so prosperous, that their finances prosper, their families prosper. And God, I expect you to do that. And I thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we bless the Lord today? Amen. I don't want to keep you any longer, but I'm going to ask you just to be seated for a second. I want to do a quick illustration. Quickly, this is what I want us to do. Thank you for coming. We're going to have the altars open for any prayer requests. This was a unique service. Visitors let you know we've never done this before. Normally it's always about living holy, living for God, being on fire. But I appreciated this. Can you say amen if you did as well? Amen. This is what I want to do. I want uh, the offering buckets to come up here. And don't get nervous. We're not going to take an offering. But watch what we're going to do. This is The Lord told me to do this. I think it's going to be great. Anonymously, I don't want you to put your name on this piece of paper and a pen. I want each of you, even if you don't come to the church, I want to make an example of what God can do through a, a, play, a people like this. Put the tithe that you would give for the whole month to the Lord. Every one of you, your income, your check, Social Security, whatever you receive in a month, think through it right now. And by the way, we tithe off the gross. That means before taxes. I want everybody to write their tithe on a piece of paper. Don't put your name on it. 
Somebody go over to the nursery. Let's get all the, the adults over there to tithe and get their papers over here. Just do it quickly. Let's get pens and papers. We're going to start passing it down. For example, if you make $5,000 before taxes for the whole month, but $500. If you usually give a little extra, we're not talking about what you give to the missionary thing. Just but you know, you give extra as the offering to the house of God, $550. Just put $550. You make $2,000 a month. I want to show you what this group of people can do in this city. When I talk to my teenagers, I tell them, I say, do you understand that you're the number one buying power in America? You ever think about that? Teenagers make the movies blockbuster hits, you know, like Pirates of the Caribbean, Batman, the, the, you know, these movie stars. You know, they're the biggest buying power in America. And that means they're the biggest buying power in the world because America's the richest nation in the world. I want to show you right now. Just put your tithe. If you're with your husband and wife, talk about it. If you're not with your husband or wife, try to figure it out on your own. Put it in there. Just write the number. And then when you got it, just quickly put it in the offering bucket. Quickly. We're going to add it up here before we go. And some of you have never done your tithe before. I want you to do it so you can get in the habit. It's not a pledge. Nobody's going to keep you accountable. It's totally anonymous. We're going to throw them away right afterwards. I just want to show you what the house of God can do. I want every person to do this. Every per- Even if you go to another church, still do it. Because I just want to show you guys this example. Even if you're a child, you get an allowance. My dad taught me to tithe off of my allowance. If you're sitting next to somebody, they don't know how to tithe yet. Help them figure out 10%. I just want to show you what we can do. Nancy, make sure you put ours in there. Wherever my wife went, she went over there. Let me write down ours. Somebody grab me a pen real quick. Thank you. I got it. I got it. Thank you. Yeah. Ishmael, I want you to quickly just get a calculator. I want you to add these up for me. Maybe, uh, Ricky, you can help them do two at one time. If you need to put it in here, just quickly put it in here. What God wants to do, just like my dad says, it's not just to us, it's through us. I just thought this would be a nice illustration before we go. I don't know how much it's going to be. It could be more than 10000 could be less than 10000 I don't know. But I just want to show you what we can do. Do you know that right now for this church to function, just every month it costs $8,000? Our rent right here for this facility right here is about uh, $2,500 right here, and then $1,200 for our storefront right over there. So it's basically like $3,900. The, the, the utilities, the, uh, the insurance, there you go right there. There's $4,500. And then we have to pay for the different things that we have. The church is able to supplement my housing allowance. I don't receive a salary yet, but it's my housing allowance because I have the office there. That's another $1,000. And you begin to see quickly, we get to 8000 And God has kept this ministry blessed every single month. And I just want to show you what we're doing is I'm just going to talk to you. We give over $300. The flag's over here, the Mozambique flag. We always pray for the nation of Mozambique and the other nations. We give over $300 a month to Mozambique, this church right here. Somebody once uh, asked Andrew. You guys have a missionary that this small church? Yes, we've been supporting it since our very first service. Our very first service, I said, we will give to somebody other than ourselves. Here's our missionary. She's come here two and three times. We've actually watched her from being a single young lady to a married woman. God has done so many wonderful things. God is going to bless us. Do you know that when we see this church, you know that this is our legacy? You might say, well, this is your legacy, Joe. Well, let me help you out. If I passed away, do you think this is over? 
No, we've already got Ish in charge. Ish takes over. Bam. Ish is the second in command. This is going to last longer than me. This is your legacy. Do you know that when you come in here and you see other people sitting there, you can say, man, I have a part to play in that. When, when you're not here on a Friday night, this place was full on a Friday night, and teenagers came and accepted the Lord, you can say, I have a part to play in that. When you hear us talk tonight, Sunday night, tonight if you can come, adults come back. You're going to love it. You're going to meet the missionary. Matter of fact, I'll even let the youth come. I know you guys like to come this Sunday night. I'll even let the youth come if you guys act like adults. Because I want you to see this Muslim missionary. Your pastor says right to her. She's telling me, oh, you know, Grisel, oh, I'm struggling with my daycare. You know, the only reason why she's struggling is because she was physically abused by her Muslim husband. And she's taking his kids. I said, girl, we got your back. We're going to give. You know why? Because you give. You're there. That dollar is an extension of you. Just like my dad said, Jesus is in heaven. This is his only extension. And let me tell you how honest this is. Because I'm the one that kind of goes home and I have to disperse it all. Listen, if you don't give, all the things we take for granted are gone. And if everybody in every church around here began to do that, it's gone. The homeless shelters, they're gone. We support Teen Challenge. Takes in homeless people. It's gone. The missions, the youth programs. We want to get the third storefront so we can do English as a second language. We want to do after-school programs. And we're talking right now, negotiating on buying this whole building because, you know, $4,000 is a lot of money for rent. We're talking about a mortgage now. And so, Lord willing, we get that third storefront, English as a second language, computer classes, after-school programs, all F-R-E-E free. And there ain't nothing like this around here. I wanted to use that gym of the church right next over here, this big building. I wanted to use that gym. And that guy told me, for your youth to go in that gym, I got to charge you $75 an hour. You see, God is looking for people to give. And when we give, man, the job is done. What do you guys got back there? Come on, somebody. Come on, let's praise God. How much? $12,700 sitting right here. Now watch this. Nobody put everything they had in there. Everybody just gave 10%. Somebody somebody wrote $10 down. Somebody wrote $1,000 down. Somebody wrote $500. Everybody was writing down their part. That's $12,000. You do that, we can do more than what we're doing right now. And this is just everybody doing their part. Do you guys understand? That's exciting. Come on, let's stand up and let's just thank the Lord. Lord, we thank you. You're in this place today, Father. God, it's not about us. It's about you. But when we focus on you, you bless us. Lord, we stayed a little longer today. I know, Father God, we're thinking about lunch already. But Lord, we just want to thank you one more time. And Father God, that $12,000, Father God, just do it. Father God, just do it, Jesus. We let go. We let go of that 10%. We're not going to give you some crippled calf. God, we let go of it. You take over and bless us in the meantime. Bless us uh, with, with what you said you would do. Even if it is a struggle, God, we want to bless you first. You won't have us begging for bread. Now, Lord, thank you for all that you did today. Lord, if there's anyone with other prayer needs, I pray they come as we dismiss, as we serve the the cafe, God, the free gifts we give, all of these things. Lord, I pray that this church, the people here will be proud of what they do in your name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, can we give the Lord one more hand clap? Come on. Greet somebody. Slap them high five and say, we love you. God bless you.